What is going on, ladies and gentle dudes? Welcome to the Two Minute Drill Podcast. This is the limitless edition of the show, which means I, your host, Michael Homan, will be joined by Jake McClanahan, Matt Shetler, and Tyler Cordell as we go through the NFL Week 4 slate of games, excluding Thursday Night Football. And we are going to tell you about different opinions on the spreads, some fantasy options to consider, as well as just cool storylines that I might have personally missed in the Two Minute Drill podcast, which was released earlier in the week. Because these guys are also avid followers of football. They bring different perspectives, which is why I love doing this show on top of the regular episode. So if you missed that other episode, feel free to check that out. But this is a much more casual conversation amongst the guys, and I'm super excited to jump straight into it. So let's throw it there. All right, guys. So we are about to jump into the games. But first, I wanted to take a moment to show a little honesty here on the Limitless edition of the podcast. First episode, Matt and I both lost a water bet to Jake. We took the Bengals plus two and a half in week two. They lost to the Bears by three. So Matt and I took an L on that one. Last week, Matt, could you remind us what the bet was? Well, you know, you know, it's nice. We, we only lost that first one by half a point, and that one really hurt. But, you know, a loss is a loss, right? But, you know, last week we actually had a – it seemed like a very controversial bet there. You know, Justin Fields stepping in behind Andy Dalton, ready to take over, be the savior of the Bears, haven't even had a 4,000-yard franchise passer. Oh, and then all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, add that rushing yardage in. The bet was Justin Fields is going to be a top 15 fantasy quarterback. He may have came close to taking 15 sacks or been, uh, you know, in the top 51 of quarterbacks, but I don't think he came close to that top 15. Jake, what say you? Yeah, he might've averaged a yard a quarter. So that was real fun (laughs) to watch. Yeah. I took a big L on that one. Thought he would at least get some rushing yards, but turns out miles Garrett and that defensive line, they're really freaking good. They are really good. So I lost that one. Yeah, Justin Tucker, for reference, had more yards on that final field goal than the Bears offense did all of Sunday. (laughs) Yeah. But that's my boy Tuck, so I'm happy. All right. And then just a tiny bit more honesty. Guys, I went back through last episode and checked on our records against the spread. You guys curious about who came in first? Yeah. Absolutely. That was sure. definitely first episode in Tyler got 10 games right against the spread. Matt got nine. Jake, you got eight. I personally counted Thursday night because I did the previous episode. So I had one extra game and got nine. So really, I'm somewhere in between Jake and Matt on that one. But Tyler, you came out with 10. Woo. All right. And then nice as work. far as our limitless parlay went, we only went four for three in those seven takes. So had you bet them individually, you would have come out on top, but it was kind of a parlay. So you didn't Tyler. I did want to throw it to you super quickly as a way to come out on top in that scenario. You told Jake last week off record about round Robins in case someone else out there is unfamiliar with that concept. Can you explain it super quick just so that someone could still come on out on top on a losing parlay? Yeah, absolutely. So I ended up playing five games last week. I didn't play the full seven. I ended up going four and five. 
obviously that's a depressing feeling if you've got a five-team parlay you almost get there i actually lost the first game and then proceeded to hit the next four and a round robin's a beautiful thing because you can take a five a six a seven-team parlay and you can basically automate it to where let's say you want to go a three-pick round robin it'll take your seven games that you like and it'll give you every possibility of three team parlays within those seven games. So if you get five out of seven, you're going to hit a solid amount of those smaller parlays. And that's kind of where I ended up going. I lost one out of my five, but it ended up working out and I ended up, I think, tripling my money. And otherwise I would have just taken the full L on that one game. All right. All right. So that is a great way to start things off, guys. Thank you for that little bit of honesty. Got ourselves all in check. Fresh slate this week. And we're going to start off with The Jets, plus seven, taking on the Titans. Looks like the over-under is 44 on that one. Jake, we're going to kick it off with you. Tell me what you think is going to happen when the Titans travel to New York to take on the Jets. So I think Zach Wilson, like always, is going to have a tough day until he figures it out and proves otherwise. I am going to be taking the Titans on this one to cover. I'm also possibly thinking about taking the over on this one. I think Derrick Henry can have a monster of a day and really just put the team on his back and carry them literally to multiple touchdowns and really just kind of take them over the line in this game. I think, like I said, Zach's going to have a tough game against the Titans. They do have a weaker defense, so I expect him to get a touchdown or two. In this game, for sure, look for Corey Davis having a revenge game against the Titans. It still will be interesting. Zach Wilson has to complete more passes to his team than he does the other team in order for that to happen. But I do like Corey Davis in this game and Derrick Henry as well, too. Matt, what are you feeling on this game? I'm not feeling a lot of this game. And it really, if I end up at a bar where there's one game that I can't see, I'm okay if it's this one. It just looks like there's not a lot of excitement that I'm seeing heading into this game. I had a lot of hope for Zach Wilson after his really solid performance in the preseason. And, you know, I'm realizing that might have just been because he was playing against a bunch of second and third stringers. Because really, ever since they they lost their starting left tackle there, it's been an absolute, I mean, it's been a revolving door. He's been getting sacked left and right. It looks like the game's moving way too fast for him. Now, I think the the variables at play in this game are simply that it looks like A.J. Brown's week to week for the Titans. And we got news as well that, you know, Julio Jones is dealing with that leg injury and what he's trending, his status is up in the air. So now we've got, you know, what Anthony Ferkser is at tight end is a pass catcher. And I don't know, maybe Derrick Henry keeps up his reception streak. I like the Titans to cover. Because Derrick Henry against the 31st worst rushing defense in the league sounds like something that you don't want to deal with. That being said, I'll take them to cover. I definitely like the under on this because until I can see the Jets actually score points, it's hard to believe that they will. So I'm I'm going to agree with you there, Matt. I also am going to take the Titans at minus seven. I also like the under. Bouncing back to something that Jake said that piqued my interest, Corey Davis this week really, really, really intrigues me. Tennessee has allowed the third most points to fantasy wide receivers. And I think Corey Davis is just going to eat. I think I like the under because while the Titans are going to be able to be in control and keep the ball away from the Jets, it's also important to recognize that Derrick Henry has the most rushing attempts through three games. I mean, he's averaging, gosh, 23 attempts a game. 
this doesn't feel like a game that they're going to have to involve Derrick Henry into the fourth quarter. I think they could start spelling him a little bit, let him rest up. And, you know, while Tennessee can definitely control that lead, I don't think they're going to be having to put up points in the fourth quarter and run this score up. They might just let Derrick rest a little bit. So I see it going under, like you said, Matt, but it's going to be an interesting game to see. Yeah, personally, I'm just going to chime in here because I'm looking at this line and wondering how it's not the biggest line of the week. That line goes to the Bills and the Texans that we'll see later on. But personally, I would look at the Titans going up against the Jets, and I wouldn't care if the line is 20. I would probably still take the Titans. I don't see a scenario where even with injuries, even as speculative as that Tennessee defense is how Zach Wilson and the Jets are going to put up points here so I love all of you guys saying the under I love that you all are on the Titans Tyler chime in one more time here yeah just one thing I'm seeing that is blowing my mind the Jets are averaging less than seven points a week so far through three weeks it's really bad it's Wait, really that's bad. real 6.7 points I don't understand how they're still plus seven here. That's what I'm saying. I don't understand this line. I would take it all day long. It's different, man. It's different. But let's go ahead and move on to a better game with the Eagles taking on the Chiefs. Well, so with that being said, let's hope that it's a better game. That one is also the line of plus seven. The over-under on this one is much higher at 54. And this time, I'm going to kick it over to Matt. Matt, please tell me what you think is going to happen when the Chiefs take on the Eagles. This game, I, I'm, I'm so excited about this game. And the reason why is so we've got the highest point total on the week at 54 right now. Now, the Eagles itself are going to be plus, it's plus seven right now. So they're looking like they're down. We've got the Chiefs entering the week at the very bottom of the AFC West. I don't think any, I don't think most people saw that one coming through the first three weeks. So we've got that. We also have the Eagles coming off of a really bad loss at, you know, to the Cowboys. So we got divisional rivals there. Now, as I was looking at this game, I was trying to look back at a couple of different stats just to get a feel for how this could play out because the Chiefs defense has been absolutely terrible. I mean, Miles Sanders, man, he averaged 13 and a half yards per carry last week. And the Chiefs are giving up five yards per carry. Now, I have to jump in here. Miles Sanders had two carries total last week. So <laughs> what's yeah. actually going to happen there? But it's like if, they, if the Eagles can actually come back and give Sanders some real work and allow Jalen Hurts to actually open up and play the deep bombs that he's been showing over the first couple of weeks, I could see the Eagles keeping up with this because the Chiefs haven't shown their ability to stop anyone. At the same time, we also saw the tight ends absolutely feast on the Eagles last week. So Travis Kelsey's obviously in for a big game. You're starting all your Chiefs. My favorite, I have a DFS stack for the Eagles that I actually really like. I think Jalen, Jalen Hurts has been top 10 quarterback every single week this year, even though the Eagles haven't been that great. And he's been loving throwing the ball deep to Jalen Rager. I could absolutely see a bomb heading in that way to try to keep up with the score itself. So from there, I'm going to take the over on the game itself, but I will take the Chiefs to cover late and just push it a little bit out of reach and break the streak of uh, not even being able to win a game by more than six points since week eight last year. Yeah, now, now Matt, I do want to make sure you're not disrespecting Kyler Murray and Matt Stafford, who are the quarterbacks in the game with the biggest line this week. They are at 55, believe it or not. That's going to be a fun game and we'll get to it. But I'm going to agree with you. 
I think it's going to go over. I think it's going to be a shootout. I'm going to take the Eagles to cover seven. The Chiefs, like you said, just have not been covering. And Jalen Hurts, again, I'll double down on what you said. Kansas City has allowed the second most points to quarterbacks. And I just think Jalen Hurts is going to feast. If this game's going to score 54 points, you're going to want as many players in this game as you can get. Yeah, so I'm going to actually agree with Matt on this one. I am taking the Chiefs to cover. I think that they had a really tough game last week, and they're looking to bounce back and really just take it out on the Eagles. I know they've been really bad against the spread as of late, but I do just believe in the Chiefs this week. Patrick Mahomes, he's been kind of turnover happy. I think he figures it out and cleans it up during this game against the Eagles. I also do like the over on this. I think it's going to be a shootout in this game. This should be a very fun game to watch. So we got a lot of similar points, but differing opinions. Tyler and I taking the Eagles in this one. Y'all back in the Chiefs who can't cover to save their life. So interesting to see how that one will play out. Tyler, glad to have you on the right side of a Chiefs bet this time. And now we're going to move on to the Vikings taking on the Browns. I see that over under as 51 and a half. And the Vikings are getting spotted two points at home. Tyler, I'm going to throw this one straight over to you. What do you think is going to happen when the Browns go and travel to Minnesota to take on the Vikings? So the big thing that pops out to me here is the over-under. I think 51 and a half is just way too high. If this over-under was sitting at 47, I would probably still go under. I just, I look at these two teams whose identity is trying to get the ground game running. Now the Browns have been a lot more successful when it, uh, the Vikings on the other hand have struggled a little bit. Dalvin's had kind of an up and down start to the year, obviously, being held out last week wasn't a great thing for him. But I think both of these teams want to run the ball. I think the Browns are going to do it a lot more successfully. That's why I'm going to take the Browns minus two. And even though Cleveland's put up 26 or more points in each of their first three games, they also lead the NFL in rush attempts. I think this is a team that can take the lead early and they can kind of just keep handing it off. They have two really talented guys. They'll move up and down the field. They'll chew a lot of clock. The Vikings have been a bottom 10 rushing defense. And I think the Cleveland's just going to be able to control the ball. Cleveland, on the other hand, has yet to give up 70 yards on the ground in a game. But I still think the Vikings want their identity to be the run. I think that after Dalvin taking a week off, they're going to try to get him the ball. We'll see if he can be effective. But overall in this game, I just see it kind of going a little slow tempo. If I had to take someone in fantasy in this game that I really like, I think you can play both Cleveland running backs. I think Kareem Hunt's a great running back too. I think Nick Chubb, somebody that you're starting every single week. But yeah, I'll pass it over to you, Jake. What do you think? Yeah, so I'm agreeing with you on this one as far as taking the Browns in this game. I think that they are going to have not necessarily their way with the Vikings because the Vikings have been very, very good and competitive in all their games. It's always been seemed like a really close game, a lot closer than it should be. But I do like the Browns in this one. And then also for as far as players go, the Vikings are going to be trying to establish the run. But the Browns defense, that front seven is just so good and so talented. It's going to be hard. So I think they're going to rely a lot on of a play action more 
scheme. I think Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are going to really have a good game in this one because they're going to be forced to have a good game in this one. And Kirk Cousins has been a very serviceable quarterback as far as fantasy standards go. I don't think he's going to have nearly as great of a game as he's had all season, but he has shown that he can be not necessarily that elite guy that's going to win you the games, but definitely a serviceable guy that's going to keep you close and always give you an opportunity. And then for the Brown side, Tyler, I agree with you. I think if you're looking for an RB2 or a really, really solid flex play, I love Kareem Hunt in this game. Just watching him last game, looking over at Matt. We were at the bar together watching the game. It's just you see the talent radiating from him. So I think he's going to be a very, very awesome RB2 flex play style running back for you guys. Yeah, I think you guys did a pretty good job of summing everything up. I think this game could get very ugly, very quick. The Browns have, but Tyler, as you put it, uh, you know, the Browns have really stifled the run. So I think a lot of this game on the Vikings end comes down to how healthy is Dalvin Cook and how much can he put the team on his back. Kirk Cousins has performed admirably through the first three weeks, but his average depth of target is still bottom five in the entire NFL as a quarterback. And the way that front seven flies around, that's going to be a difficult spot for them. The Browns are chewing up time of possession like no other team in the NFL right now. And if they get off to a hot start and, you know, have my boy Odell Beckham torch Patrick Peterson for a deep touchdown, like I totally believe he will. Then from there, all of a sudden, I don't see the Vikings being able to play catch up is the real point. And I do think Jefferson and Thielen could have good fantasy games, but I think some of that's going to come down in a garbage time scenario. I have the Browns easily covering the, uh, the minus two. and. I also will take the under on this. All right. So we got a couple different opinions there, but the main different opinion is I'm the only guy who's on the Vikings on this game out of the four of us here. Personally, I think that there's a bit of a stench sitting on that Bengals loss week one, that really crazy Cardinals loss in week two. And then they were slow rolling in week three, but then kicked it into high gear. If they can keep that momentum rolling, I think people are starting to favor the Browns a little too much and discounting the Vikings a little too much, considering that the Vikings are home and getting spotted two points. That's why I'm on the Vikings, but we're going to go ahead and move on to the Bills taking on the Texans. This one is the biggest gap of line in the week. The Bills are favored by 16 points, and the over-under is only 47. Jake, I'm throwing this one over to you. What do you think is going to happen when the Texans travel to Buffalo to take on the Bills? So that line of 16 is just wild when you look at it. But then if you go back and kind of look what the Bills have been able to do after week one when they lost to Pittsburgh, they have outscored their opponents 78 to 21 in the past two weeks. Their defense is absolutely on fire. They're getting to the quarterback. They're covering well. The offense, it looks like they're moving the ball extremely well. Josh Allen looks like he is the real deal. I am taking the bills in this one, even with that high spread. I just think Houston, I don't believe in Davis Mills. That's a third string quarterback playing against one of the best teams in the league, if not the hottest team in the league right now. 
I just don't see Houston even having a shot in this game. That line is scary in theory, but I think the Bills cover and handedly win. Yeah, I'm with you on there. I mean, if you look at last Thursday's game, I believe the final score of the Panthers-Texans was 24-9, to if I'm not mistaken. Maybe 24-10 if I'm off by one there. But that means the Panthers. And I, Sam Darnold's been playing great this year. The way the Bills defense has been performing, they're right up there with the Panthers, if not better, the way that they've been shutting down some talented receivers. You just covered that spread against Washington, and I've actually been impressed with Taylor Heineke. I think he's been a gunslinger willing to force the ball down the field. I'll take the Bills easy on the spread. I'm almost tempted to take the over just because of the Bills. I'm going to take the under just because I don't, I don't know if they're going to score that many points. I want to be a little bit safer on that one because the Bills could literally win this 41 to zero or something ridiculous there. I would say just start all your Bills. The only Texans player is Brandon Cooks. And I'm a little bit worried about him as well, considering how good of a job Tredavious White and the rest of that defense has been performing. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and agree with you guys. I'm going to take the Bills minus 16. You know, Vegas, Vegas eats on these huge lines. I want to say lines over 10 points in the NFL typically only get covered like 23% of the time. But this just feels like one of those games where the line isn't too big. Buffalo loves to blow teams out. They are not shy about keeping their gas pedal going as the game continues. With that being said, I do think that this week you can flex the Bills running backs. I think it is going to be a blowout. I think it'll be a blowout early. I think both those guys can get enough touches and garbage time. Also, I'm going to disagree with you, Matt, and I'm going to take the over. Like you said, I think Buffalo can cover it by themselves. You know, you mentioned 41-0. I think the Texans can score six points. Maybe it ends up being 41-7 and I'll take it. But the way that Buffalo has been scoring, I just don't know how Houston stops them. And if Buffalo's defense gets a couple pick sixes, I I could see this one going over real quick. I'm going to cut that one's going to come back and haunt me. I have a feeling taking the under. Yeah. You want to change it? Do I have till the end of this podcast to decide? (laughs) you you got one minute left in this segment that i wouldn't have to fill if you want to think about it i'll say i like the over over. in this game as well too i'm taking the over what did you say jake i like the over in this game as well too all right unanimous overs we got unanimous buffalo minus 16 sounds like a crazy line but with these two teams why the heck not so let's go ahead and move on to the next one we have the dolphins taking on the colts And I see the Dolphins minus two here and the over under only 42 and a half. And on this one, I'm going to throw it back to Matt. Matt, what do you think is going to happen when the Colts go on down to Miami? I believe this game is going to compete as one of the most boring games of the week. Neither of these teams have shown really have shown much of anything. The Dolphins offensive line is giving up sacks for days. Carson Wentz. Not only is he dealing with the foot injury, potentially still at this point, but now he also has the two sprained ankles. I like certain players in this game from a fantasy standpoint. When it comes to the actual spread itself, I'm going to take the Dolphins. They showed some fight and resilience against the Raiders last week on the road. And even though their offense is clearly going through an adjustment period without Tua in, which it seems like he still will not be playing in this game. 
I think the Dolphins are starting to find a little bit of a new identity without him as the actual starter. So I think two weeks out, Jacoby will be a little bit more comfortable inside his role here as starter. Whereas the Colts are going to be in a difficult spot because Jonathan Taylor hasn't gotten things going yet. Now the Dolphins are giving up a lot to the running back at this point. So if there was a breakout game, I could see it. I, I do expect Taylor to have a good game, but I don't anticipate that being enough. We still have Xavier Howard on the other side, who's still locked down. I think he'll be end- ending up being matched up against Michael Pittman, who's really the only receiver that's really been showing up consistently from a yardage standpoint and a target standpoint. I'm not really counting Zach Pascal's three touchdowns. Those seem more like fluke than anything. And on top of that, the Colts have Quentin Nelson out with a high ankle sprain at this point too. That's damaging to them completely. So the players I do like, I like Jalen Waddle. Granted, he had 12 catches for 58 yards. They're using him right close to the line of scrimmage, but I like him. I like how they worked Gisecki in to the end of the game last week. I'm going to take the Dolphins to cover the spread, and I think I'm going to take the under on this game too. I'm going to agree with you, Matt. I know that 42 and a half over under is just begging you to take the over. You're thinking these are two NFL teams. How do they not score a combined 43 points? But I think you, I think you nailed it with all these injuries and everything going on. I would like Jonathan Taylor and I was afraid you weren't going to get to it, but that Quentin Nelson injury, that's the highlight of this game for me. It really is because if the Colts were going to get points on the board, and the Dolphins were going to have to come back and fire, and there was a chance for this shootout, I think that's going to be through the running game, and I just don't know how this offense is going to be able to do that without Quentin Nelson on the field. Ultimately, Carson Wentz is going to probably trot out there. The reason that I'm going to take the Dolphins to cover is Carson's hurting. Carson's going to try to hand it off. It's probably not going to work. He might get sacked. He might turn the ball over. Jacoby Brissett is not the best, but... The thing with him is he doesn't really turn the ball over very much. And for me, that's something that's going to be able to allow the Dolphins to sustain drives and stay in this one. I'm going to agree with you on the Jalen Waddle play. That's the big thing that popped out to me. Jalen Waddle's a great flex this week. The Colts have allowed the most touchdown receptions to wide receivers. I think someone's got to score. And I think Jalen Waddle probably has the best chance to do it on the field. So this game was real tough for me because if the Colts were going to win a game, It'd be against the Dolphins. However, with Dolphins being home, you know, I'm going to stick to my initial thought. You guys kind of sold me, but I'm going to stick to my initial thought. I am going to take the Colts on this one and the money line just to kind of be a contrarian on this. The only reason why is it's based on Carson Wentz. If he is back and healthy, apparently he's down to one ankle sprain and not two now. So, yeah, he's down to one. Just to be a contrarian, I will take the Colts on this one and I'll take the money line because this does sound like a game. If the Colts were to win one, it would be this one. So I think you just watching you guys dance around right now, you guys are very excited to place a water bet on this. So screw it. I'm down. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, I love going against you guys. This sounds like a barn burner. No, this sounds like a terrible, boring game, but I will take the Colts on this one just to go against you guys. 
I think Naeem Hines could actually have a good game out of the backfield on this one. I think there's going to be a lot of Duncan dives to him, a lot of passes. If with Quentin Nelson out, I think that hurts Jonathan Taylor. So they're going to have to kind of spread Naeem Hines out and kind of get him involved if they're going to have any hope in this game. Go ahead, Tyler. Yeah, I just wanted to confirm you want the money line, right? Because I heard you say that enough times that I just want to confirm. I am taking the Colts spread, but I'm possibly thinking money line as well. Water bet clarity. We need water bet clarity, Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take All the right. Colts spread. I'll still take it. I'll, I'll still absolutely take it. And after we win, considering it was just your birthday and, you know, we didn't really have a real chance to celebrate yet, I might not even give it to you. No, nah, I'm just kidding. I will. But I just wanted to give an announcement to everyone. Happy birthday, Jake. So appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. (laughs) So let's go ahead and move on because we took a lot of time on that game. Biggest thing I wanted to just slide in there real quick is that if Jacoby Brissett wins this one, what does that say about the Dolphins and Tua Tunga Valoa? And oh my gosh, man, that's that's a mistake that they'll it is a revenge game, too. So I know, I know, Jacoby. Taking on the Colts. I'm not helping right. my water bet on this. You're Gosh. not, dude. All of your arguments were against you, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm not excited about this one either. It's all right. That intuition's got to count, right? It's got to count for something. Let's go ahead and move on. We have the Cowboys taking on the Panthers. I see the Cowboys favored as four-point favorites and the over-under at 50 and a half. And on this one, I'm kicking it over to Tyler. Tyler, tell me what you think is going to happen with Sam Darnold traveling to Dallas to take on Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Yeah, so there's a lot of interesting storylines in this game. But I think the thing I'm keeping my eye on the most is the Panthers' defense. Are they real or are they fake? And I think that that's the biggest storyline that's going to come out of this game. I personally, I look at them, and I think that this is their first real test. Yes, they're the best defense against the run, but it feels like a facade. The first three weeks, they took on the Jets with Tevin Coleman. They had the Saints in there. And yes, Alvin Kamara is a monster. I'm not taking anything away from him. But it was a horrible game script. And you can stack the box against the Saints right now. They have no receivers. And then the Texans and Mark Ingram. The best receiver that they've faced this year is Brandon Cooks. So for me, just looking at this, I personally, I'm going to take Dallas at minus four. I think that this line would probably be a little bit bigger if this was week one or week two of the season. And I think that watching the Panthers play three soft teams, we've got this idea of who they are. And ultimately they're missing Christian McCaffrey, who essentially until DJ Moore made me eat my words, was their entire offense. I'm also taking the under, I'm taking under 50 and a half. I don't know why, but I feel like this game is just, it might start out hot. If you're going to bet a first half line, I might take the over in the first half, but I think the second half, the Cowboys are just going to run the ball. They're not going to do it ultra successfully, but I think they'll do it enough to be able to keep it running. In this game, I think the person that intrigues me the most is Robbie Anderson. He has had a horrible start to the season. Everything has gone through DJ Moore. But on the defensive side of the ball for the Cowboys, Trayvon Diggs has been incredible. I am not the biggest Cowboys fan. Anyone will tell you that. But Trayvon Diggs has just looked, he's looked like the real deal. And he's had an interception in each of the first three weeks, including a pick six last week off Jalen Hurts. The Cowboys have asked Diggs to start shadowing people, which 
only the elite corners in the league are doing that. He held Mike Evans to three for 24, traveling with him the whole game. He held Keenan to four for 108. And one of those passes was a 40-yard pass to the sideline, about four inches from being picked. And I, I just don't think Sam Darnold makes that throw. Justin Herbert does. But when I look at this game, I'm going, mm, I just feel like the Cowboys are going to be able to kind of have their way with the Panthers a little bit better than the Panthers are going to be able to do against the Cowboys. In this game, obviously, you're starting all your Cowboys. On the Panthers' side of the ball, besides Robbie, I think you can flex Chuba Hubbard. I think there should just be enough volume. Dallas has allowed the third most receptions to running backs, and I think that he's going to be able to get involved. But yeah, even though I'm taking the under, I do like a lot of pieces in this game. We'll see how it goes, and I'll kick it over to you, Jake. Yeah, so I agree with you on this one, Tyler. I am going to take the Cowboys minus four. The over-under seems a little high. I'll probably take the under on this one as well. I just think Dallas is really going to try to control the ball with the run. They're two-headed monster of Zeke and Tony Pollard. Zeke really came out last week against the Eagles, showed why he is, for fantasy purposes, a first-round draft pick. And as far as for their offense goes, I think they're going to really rely on him as well. Even though by standards, Carolina does have a good defense. Like you said, Tyler, I'm very excited to see how they will be with a true test. I think Dak Prescott is firing on all cylinders right now. So as far as fantasy goes, you're starting all of the Cowboys for The Panthers, if you're looking for a deep flex, obviously you're starting DJ Moore. um, But if you're looking for a deep flex, I do like Robbie as well, too, if you need a bigger boom bust play on this. I think Diggs is going to be shadowing DJ Moore the whole game. So Robbie could break open for a big play if you need a deeper flex or looking for a big like a big boom play for fantasy football. But yeah, I'm taking the Cowboys on this one. Pretty much in agreement with both of you guys for the most part, except I'm actually going to take the over on this one. And the reason why is for this game specifically, I'm actually projecting, uh, I'm projecting a lot of points scored clearly. But part of the reason why is JC Horn just broke his foot and now he's out. And I think he started off the season exceptionally hot. So now you've got your entire cornerback squad for the Panthers rotating out of position, and you're going to ask them to cover Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Blake Jarwin, Dalton Schultz, Tony Pollard, Zeke out of the backfield, also playing against one of the best offensive lines in the league. I think Dallas pushed around an Eagles front last Monday that has been very respectable, not only the last few years, but to start the season as well. And so what I've noticed about Dallas is it seems like when they get down into the red zone, they're converting into touchdowns. And so from there, I do believe the Panthers will come up with a better game plan to scheme open actually Robbie Anderson, but on shorter routes, similar to how he did last year after Christian McCaffrey was out. They found a way to scheme him open for more crossing routes, shorter underneath things, just to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands more quickly. So I think after a week of practice and preparation for that, I can actually see this one becoming a little bit more of a high-scoring affair. And I'm all about the points. I'll take the Cowboys to cover the spread, but I am going to go for the over. Now, I, I have a quick question for you guys. You, you mentioned an interesting name, Matt, and I truly don't know what I'm doing with him. 
What do you guys think about Dalton Schultz? Do you think that this was his breakout game? Do you think he should be rostered? Do you think he should be started? Where do you see him going for the rest of the year? So I'll jump in. I personally did recommend him as a streamer. I think that he is a fine streaming tight end. I don't think he's an every week start necessarily just because there are already so many options in Dallas and Blake Jarwin is still there and he actually did have more targets in week two, I believe, than Dalton Schultz. So it's kind of going back and forth, but I think he's totally fine to be a streamer if you need to throw him in. If you need, yeah. I would caution against it. And the only reason I say that is last week, the Eagles are, they're like the third worst against tight ends as a team right now in general. And if you notice a lot of times on Monday night, when the announcers were showing the playbacks of some of those plays one of Dallas's favorite plays was lining up both tight ends on the right side of the formation and having them run out and do a crossing scissors pattern to confuse the linebackers. The Eagles secondary has actually been pretty solid at keeping receivers down. They're actually only allowing the fourth least amount of fantasy points to wide receivers specifically. So I think they just exploited the matchup personally. At the same time, who knows? Anything can happen. I just, I don't have a lot of confidence in Schultz myself. Yeah. Tight ends are just one of those positions that are always pretty shallow. So if you need to pick a streamer, why not pick Schultz? It's all right. (laughs) But let's go ahead and move on. We got the Saints Taking on the Giants, the Saints are seven-point favorites in this one. The over-under is 42. On this one, I'm going to Jake. Jake, what do you think is going to happen when the Giants travel to New Orleans for their first true home game? So I'm not really excited about this game, really at all. Saints, minus seven, I'll probably end up taking them. They are very inconsistent offense. Jameis, right now they are ranked 31st in the NFL The Giants are 0-3. I don't think the Giants get their first win against the Saints. I think the Saints cover or the over-under at 42 is very interesting. I think this game could be a game where Jameis actually shows his good side. Even though the Saints don't have a ton of weapons, I think Marquez Calloway could catch a touchdown in this one. I think Jameis could throw a bomb, move the ball down the field. I don't trust in the Giants defense at all. So I'll take the Saints. I'll probably take, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to take the over under on this one. I'm not too sure what's going to happen on this. As far as fantasy goes, the only one, like I said, if you're looking for maybe a deep, deep, deep play, Marquez Calloway, I think he could catch a bomb this game. But other than that, you're only starting Alvin Kamara with confidence. As far as the Giants side goes, pay attention to Sterling Shepard and his injury. If he's not on the field, I mean, one of these games, Kenny Galladay has to show up, right? Like one of them, he has to show up. It seems like possibly this one, maybe, but I'm not really trusting besides Saquon, anybody on the Giants side in this week. I think this game is going to be a blowout. I don't think it's, I'm going to take the under. Let me, let me clarify when I say it's going to be a blowout, but the reason why is I just don't think the Giants are going to be able to score any points. New Orleans has an amazing defense. Their front four defensive linemen are nasty. They've got great linebackers. Marshawn Lattimore was looking great last week. Now, granted, it's not like he had to cover anyone on the Patriots specifically, but in this game too, I think he'll be able to take Kenny Galladay out of the game. And personally, I'm not anticipating Sterling Shepard being able to play. Sterling has a history of injuries and they typically are multi-week absences. He left early and he was holding his hamstring pretty tight. Grant, that's a projection based on what I saw in a game. 
I just, I don't see him being able to play. And from there, I don't think Saquon has the ability to put his, the team on his back in this game against one of the best rush defenses in the NFL, while he's also still just trying to get back to form with a rough offensive line. I think Jameis and the Saints play a very clean game, and I could see this game ending like 24 to nine under the spread with a clear Saints victory. I am going to also take the under here. I don't particularly like either offense, but I'm going to take the Giants to cover. I think seven is just, I think seven's too much. I have to see more consistency from Jameis. Jameis likes to turn the ball over. It's hard to run up a lead when you're turning the ball over. Now, the Giants do allow a lot of receptions to running backs. Kamara could have a great game and break away. But for me, seven is just too much. If we were sitting at six, I would be a lot more indecisive. But at seven, I'm going to go ahead and take the Giants. I agree with Jake in that I'm not really too excited to play anyone in this game. I think that if all those pass catchers end up getting ruled out, I'm going to disagree on the Kenny Galladay take. I think every year we have that one game. There's always one game. And you guys can close your eyes and you can picture it. There's one game where Evan Ingram just has a game. Every year. Evan Ingram just catches that ball down the middle of the field, takes it for 60 yards and looks like the number one tight end and just disappears afterwards. And I don't know why I'm just getting this hunch with nobody else out there and Kenny Galladay dealing with cornerbacks of the same. I I just, I think Evan Ingram is going to be that guy this week. And I think the giants are going to be able to keep it close. Yeah. Tyler and I are reading this one very similarly. And I two took the Giants. I got them at plus eight. So this is the first line that's moved by a point. Other lines have moved by just a half a point. So I got Giants plus eight and I truly only picked them based on the number. I didn't have any love in taking that pick. It was just too many points to turn away on that particular matchup. But let's go ahead and move on. Next up, we have the Bears taking on the Lions. Bears are favored by three and the over under is 42. Tyler, I'm throwing this one back to you. What do you think is going to happen when the Lions travel to Chicago? So I am very interested in this game. I know it's not a game that everybody's watching in excitement. It's two teams that have, you know, not necessarily been making a bunch of headway. But I think the Lions this week are a great shot for the money line. I think that they pay really well at plus three. If you're looking for a parlay to just add a little juice, I think the Lions could easily win this game. I'm going to take the over of 42, which I know might not be popular, but I think that the Lions are going to be able to put up points, and I think the Bears are going to be able to run the ball. The Lions are averaging, allowing 92 yards and a touchdown on the ground through three games, and that's including last week where Tyson just wasn't involved. There wasn't really a lot of rushing coming from the running back position there, and still Detroit is allowing 92 yards and a touchdown. David Montgomery's proven to be a good running back. I think Matt Nagy's going to get him the ball more. He's on the hot seat. He knows that's his best player and they're going to feed him. The Lions on the other side, they've been making games look really competitive. And even though they're 0-3, they've started off against the 49ers, the Packers, and the Ravens. Those are three tough teams. If you put just about any team outside of you know, those top five to eight teams with that schedule, I think they would walk away 0-3 or 1-2 and as well. 
So I think the Lions are going to be able to stay up in this one. I think they're going to be able to score points against the Bears. I think Justin Fields is going to have a lot more time if he's the quarterback. If he's not, then we'll see who's back there. But either way, the Lions, they've only had six sacks this season. I think the quarterback's going to have a little bit more time. They'll be able to adjust. They'll be able to put up some points. So I'm going to slam that 42 point over under, and I'm going to take the Lions at plus three for sure. And on the money line, if you got yourself some cojones. All about the money line for the Lions. All about it. The Lions have shown an ability to scheme very well initially in the first half. Their first opening drives have been very well schemed open. Their biggest issue is simply just getting the ball to receivers because they barely have any. However, I think this is DeAndre Swift's true breakout game this year. He's already a top five fantasy running back right now. However, all of the news out of Lions camp earlier this week, Dan Campbell and the offensive staff said they wanted to make sure that he'd be able to handle a full workload coming off of his groin injury in the offseason before they're willing to officially give him the start. And we're going to see a lot more out of DeAndre Swift. I think that alone created screens, giving him the ball more. It's going to make the offense that much more explosive. As soon as they went to him heavy in the second half of last week against the Ravens, the offense scored on three straight drives in the second half. I think that's going to open up a lot for the Lions. And after seeing that performance from Fields, I know the Browns have an amazing defensive line and they had a great thing going there, but Fields looks like he's confused when his first read is taken away. And so I could see the Lions winning by a full touchdown in this game. Unless, like you said, Tyler, they get David Montgomery involved early and often and run the offense through him, similar to how they did under Andy Dalton week one against the Rams. Yeah, I am not going to be a contrarian on this one and agree with both of y'all. I love the money line on this game. The Lions are a very tough competitive team. Yeah, they're own three, but they've been in every single game except for really that 49ers game. But you saw their grit, their resilience in that one for them to come back. I do love the running backs in this game, both David Montgomery and DeAndre Swift. It is going to be raining according to the reports. So look for a lot of carries, a lot of touches from the running backs. David Montgomery facing a pretty weak defensive front as far as fantasy relevance goes. So I really look for him to have a big game. And like you said, Matt, it seems like Dan Campbell is very excited about DeAndre Swift and going to give him more opportunities. So I am very, very, very excited that I have him in a full PPR league. I think he's going to have a great game. As far as the receivers go for the Bears, I learned my lesson last week. I'm not betting on Justin Fields till he proves me wrong. I'm not going to do it. Um, so I'm very... I mean, technically, you already did prove you wrong, Jake. Okay, so he eventually proves me right. But I don't know what that... right. Anyways. Anyways. So for Allen Robinson, that's a very interesting name. I think he could be a solid flex wide receiver three play, but you're not excited about playing him right now, at least in my eyes, because you're not sure what you're going to get out of Justin Fields and even Matt Nagy for the offensive scheme or style, whatever it is. I'm just not really excited about the wide receivers. 
Yeah, so when I looked at this line initially, I said, what on God's green earth did anyone see to think that the Bears should be favored against anybody? So I'm with all of you on taking the Lions money line, and I think it's time. Let's go ahead and push forward with the Falcons taking on the Washington football team. I see the Falcons are getting plus one and a half at home. The over-under is 47. And on this one, I'm going to go right back to Tyler here. So, Tyler, what do you think is going to happen with WFT taking on the Falcons? I think this is one of those games where something's got to give. Both teams are in the bottom third of the league in points scored, but they rank 29th and 30th in points allowed. So something's got to happen here, right? We're not going to see both teams not score points, but give up a lot of points. You can't say that one team's playing a great, they're playing each other. So we're going to see what happens here, but I think this game's going to be really, really similar to Atlanta's game last week against the Giants that finished 17-14. I'm going to take the under here at 47, and I'm going to take the Falcons at plus one and a half. I think that taking them on the money line last week felt like one of those plays where people were pretty confident in it. They wanted to do it. When I explained my side, they said, yeah, I'm all in on that. I know a lot of you guys took the Falcons on the money line with me last week. I think this is one of those games you can do it again. I think coming into this season, we thought the Falcons were going to be this really prolific passing offense. Calvin Ridley was going to take this huge step forward because he always performs without Julio. And Kyle Pitts could fill that role and take some of those targets. And we were going to see Russell Gage step up and, and have a breakout like he had at the end of last year. And while we haven't seen that yet, this is still the same roster. With Washington dealing with everything that they've dealt with already this year, losing you know their quarterback in the first week, I agree that they've gotten good quarterback play, but I think that the Falcons are going to be able to handle this one. Washington's defense coming into this season we thought was going to be immaculate, and they just haven't been there yet. I don't really have any sleepers I want to start in this game. I think you can play Gibson. I think he'll be fine. I think if you want to play J.D. McKissick, I think you could as like a deep PPR flex, but there's no one outside of the main guys. Obviously, you're starting Pitts if you drafted him. You're starting Terry for the rest of the year. You're starting Calvin Ridley with that draft capital. Outside of that, I, I don't have anything too exciting in fantasy with this game. And I'm going to pass it on to you, Jake. I see you nodding. Yeah, so I'm in full agreement with you on this one. I love the money line for the Falcons on this one. It just seems like Washington's defense just hasn't performed that the way that the expectation of theirs was. They're just not covering well. I think the Falcons can have a really good game. I do like the under of 47 as well. I do think Calvin Ridley finds the end zone in this one. The Washington football team, they are allowing the second most points to fantasy receivers. So look for Calvin Ridley. And I also think Kyle Pitts, I really think he's going to find the end zone, really show why he was as high of a draft pick as he was. On the Washington side, I think you just got to play Gibson and Scary Terry, but I also like Logan Thomas in this game. I think he can have a ton of opportunities, and Atlanta is ranked 27 against tight ends or receiving. So I think Logan Thomas could be a very, very solid tight end this week if you need one. I actually disagree on this one. I, I'm taking Washington in this game. I believe that Washington has ended up having to face two uh, very difficult defenses 
initially to start this year. The Chargers have shown an ability to at least make things uncomfortable, if not outright difficult for a lot of teams. They held the Cowboys to 20 points in a back and forth affair. They were able to keep Mahomes to a very inefficient game. And week one, they were able to limit the Washington team as well. However, once Taylor Heineke came into that game, they were actually able to put together some drives. I'm of the belief that Taylor Heineke is actually the better quarterback out of him and Fitzmagic on that team. And on top of that, I think now coming in the Falcons, I have not been able to see them put together consistent drives all year against anyone. And that includes last week against the Giants who Washington was able to put up 30 plus points on in that Thursday night game two weeks ago. I see Washington covering and scoring quite a few points. I think a great game for Gibson. I think Terry has a great game as well. We'll see on the Falcon side how their offense starts to gel. Said this last week, takes a little bit of time for Matt Ryan to gel in a new system, but it's just looked difficult and their offensive line does not seem to have any chemistry. So I know Washington hasn't performed well in the defensive end. However, I'm going to give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that they had to play against the Chargers and also the Bills and deal with those two offenses, which have kind of stacked some of the points against them. So yeah, I'm going to take Washington to win the game outright. And I'm also going to take the over on this one. I think there's some point potential. All right. All right. Well, I definitely sided with Matt on this one. Basically, when I heard Tyler and Jake's argument of the Falcons have a great offensive roster, we just haven't seen it yet. I say the exact same thing about Washington's defense. It's a great roster that we were expecting to do great. We just haven't seen it yet. And I think that now with this matchup is the time that they actually show that. I just have a little bit more faith in the Washington offense in comparison to the Falcons defense. So that's where I draw that comparison. But let's go ahead and push forward here. We have up next the 49ers taking on the Seattle Seahawks. We're getting into some division rivalry games with the NFC West. It looks like the 49ers are favored by three. They're at home, so that's kind of the standard. The over-under on this one is going to be a pretty high-scoring one, 51.5. And on this one, I'm going to kick it back to Matt. What do you think is going to happen when the Seahawks travel to San Francisco to take on the 49ers? I see a shootout in this game. I see DK Metcalf finally had his breakout week last week. I do have a few concerns on the Seattle side of the ball. I've struggled with this game the last couple of days as I looked at it because Tyler Lockett looked like he went down kind of with a knee injury in the game last week. Now he came back, but he didn't do too much. So I think it's going to be very important to monitor the practice reports this week to see exactly kind of how Tyler Lockett is trending. Chris Carson also missed some time over the game last week with some cramps. That should not carry over into this week. But really what I'm concerned about is that the 49ers secondary is just beaten. Jason Verrett tore his ACL. Josh Norman is dealing with a bruised lung. Uh, I think it was Kendrick Williams, I believe is their number two corner. And he's also questionable with an ankle injury in this game. So you've got three secondary members that are going to be potentially out or limited against a divisional opponent. And Russell Wilson has consistently done well in his career on the road against divisional rivals. It hasn't been a huge swing in terms of the about the amount of points scored or how he performs. So even though I have some questions on the Seattle side, I'm going to take the Seahawks to actually cover and win this game. Because on top of that, the 49ers, 
yes, they came back and made the game competitive at the very end, but it was some damn good coaching and scheming at the beginning of that second half against the Packers. It looked like the Packers controlled that entire game until they were able to put together just a few convenient stops and turn those into drives. And I just have a lot more faith in Russell Wilson right now than I do in Jimmy Garoppolo. But, you know, anytime 49ers and Seahawks are involved, Tyler always has a strong opinion. So I'm going to, I'm going to toss it to you. What do you think? You know, this is one of those games, like you said, where I think shootout's the wrong word, but I, I get what you were saying. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. I think it's going to be a back and forth ordeal. I think this is going to be one of the better games to watch this week. I think Seattle will cover three because in a divisional game like this, it just always goes back and forth. I will say the one thing that Seattle's really struggled with this year is the running back. They have allowed the most fantasy points to the running back throughout the year. I think you can flex your 49ers running backs against these guys. And I think that that's going to give the 49ers an edge. While the 49ers are going to be able to run the ball in any divisional game in this division, I just three is that number for me. If it was sitting at two and a half, I might take the Niners to take this. Seattle's looked really, really suspect on defense. But when you're looking at three, if this line gets to three and a half, I'm, I'm absolutely going to always take the dog to cover. And I'm going to, I'm going to take that over in uh, in what should be a fun competitive barn burner. Tyler, real quick, just before you finish up, you mentioned the San Francisco running backs. What do you think is going to happen with those two between like Mitchell sermon or whoever else? So I think that Mitchell is going to come back and he's going to take the job back. I think Sermon, Sermon didn't look incredible. The thing with Sermon, if you watched him in high school, Sermon was very, very productive, but he always found a way to slide down the depth chart. He never does it in this ultra flashy way that makes you go, wow, that's my running back. But at the end of the day, I think that Sermon is somebody that Kyle Shanahan drafted with an idea of where he would fit in the system. I think he's going to be used and I think he's going to be effective. He got into the end zone last week. I honestly think that you can flex both of them. I think when things are going to start getting real, real, real iffy is when Jeff Wilson comes back. And while we're on that topic, if you guys have an IR slot out there, I would be grabbing Jeff Wilson as you're doing your pickups for the week, slide him onto the IR if it's open and just move forward and, and hope that if he comes back, all of a sudden this job, it's his again. So for this game, I am in agreement with you guys. I like Seattle in this one. I think it's going to be a tough divisional, fun divisional matchup game. For fantasy, I really like DK and the wide receivers to have a good game. I'm very excited personally about DK. Uh, I do have him in one of my leagues, so I'm excited to watch him go off this week. For the 49ers, with that Kyle Shanahan offense, it's really hard for me to trust what they're going to do and to really rely on what they're going to do. I am excited about Brandon Ayuk. I think he's trending up for targets and also how much he's on the field. He was on the field 86% of the time last week, and I think it's only going to go up from here. I think he's talented enough. I think they trust him now. And so I'm kind of excited to see where he goes. Same. Uh, Tyler, real quick, just last question before we move on on this one. I am curious on your, your opinion between the 49ers receivers as well, because that's been kind of a controversy, how Ayuk has started off after being a hot offseason topic from a fantasy standpoint. And then the Debo explosion week one, 
Now last week, it looked like about equal snaps. How do you see them, the 49ers pass catchers, including Kittle, moving forward? Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Matt. We we co-own a league and we were talking about, all right, this is the last week that we're looking for Ayuk. If Ayuk ain't catching passes, he's hitting the waiver wire. And all of a sudden he he got involved this week. You're right, that 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 snap count was really healthy. I think that this is gonna be a situation where there's going to be a lot of games where you're really happy with all of the options. And there's going to be a lot of weeks where one of them is, is having a great game and the other ones aren't. It's a reason that I kind of stayed away from the pass catchers and 49ers during the fantasy season. But, you know, I think this is going to be a call your shot situation. I think Debo is clearly the one. Obviously, Ayuk has had some issues with Kyle Shanahan, and there's a reason that his snap counts were limited. But I think Ayuk is going to be somebody that you can slide into your lineup throughout the season. I just don't know if you're going to get really consistent play like you were hoping when you drafted him that high. Matt's just asking so that he knows to flex him against me or not this week. So (laughs) let's go ahead and move on. We are going to the Rams versus the Cardinals. So another NFC West divisional matchup. And the Rams are favored by four on this one. Over under is 55. And this game, I'm going to throw it over to Jake first, our true Cardinals truther is what I'm going to call him. Cardinals going to the Rams. What do you think? So let me preface everything by I am a true Cardinals truther. I love them this season. I'm so excited for them. I actually have a futures bet that they're going to win the division. I got them when they were at the lowest odds. So I am very, very excited about this game. This is my favorite game of the week. I'm going to take the Cardinals to cover. I really wish I got them at six. Right now, the line is at four. This game has moved the most throughout the week. Sean McVay does seem to have Cliff Kingsbury number right now, and he is 8-0 and against him right now, and I don't see that changing, unfortunately. The Rams are just so explosive with Matt Safford back there. Sean McVay is a very, very good coach, and clearly he has Cliff Kingsbury number. I do think the Cardinals do cover. They have so much talent. I do like the over in this game as well, too. The over is at 55 right now. I think it will be a shootout. The Cardinals are very, very, very good on offense. Kyler Murray does look like a weapon and a real quarterback that is one to be reckoned with. However, I just don't trust the Cardinals really right now. They are very penalty prone, so they're not going to win the game, but I do like them to cover. So, Jake, I'm going to first of all apologize about all the money that you lost on that futures bet. If you've watched Matt Stafford play football this year, I think it's pretty clear that that one's not going to cash in. But moving on, quick question for you, Matt, and then I'm going to jump in. Are you taking the Rams or are you taking the Cardinals cover? I'm taking the Rams. So, Jake, this is a wonderful, wonderful time for you to really just put your heart on the line for the Cardinals and take some water to the face. I will jump hoops to take the Rams in this game to cover. If you look at the history of Sean McVay taking on the Cardinals, not only is Sean McVay 8-0 against the Cardinals, not only has Sean McVay outscored the Cardinals 251 to 91 in that span, but most importantly for this, Sean McVay is 7-0-1 against the spread when playing the Cardinals since being hired. Sean McVay has this team figured out. And while this is one of those divisions that I talk about, that three-point line, 
this is the one matchup in that division. If the Rams were playing the Seahawks and it was four, uh, who knows if the Seahawks, you know, were playing the Cardinals and it was four, probably not. The Rams and the Sean McVay just has the Cardinals number. And I really don't think that's going to change this year, even if Kyler Murray has really stepped into, I think, what is clear to everyone watching superstardom. Now, in this game, fantasy-wise, you're playing your Rams. I think a lot of people have questions about Robert Woods, which is fair. I think eventually Robert Woods is is going to have to catch passes. Teams are going to start triple-teaming and quadruple-teaming Cooper Cup if they have to. They're not going to make this kid look like Calvin Johnson out there every single week. So Robert Woods is going to have to get involved. I think, unfortunately, with the draft capital that you paid for him, you're probably going to have to keep flexing him maybe another week or two and, and see if you see something. But for now, Robert Woods is in my lineup. On the Cardinals side of the ball, it's been so tough to predict which wide receiver it's going to be besides Hopkins. I feel like you're chasing the points and you're always a week behind. But this week, Hopkins is banged up. He's playing against Jalen Ramsey. Hopkins feels like one of those guys that, yes, you absolutely probably have to start him. But it feels like he's not going to be a huge factor in this game. I'm also taking the over. And I just think it's going to be a barn burner. People are going to have to catch passes. I think if you've got A.J. Green... I think you've got Rondell Moore. I think if you've got Christian Kirk, I think all of them can be flexed this week. And I think there's a lot of value to be found in this game. But ultimately, I'm going to take Sean McVay and I'm going to let the let the Rams roll all over Jake's Cardinals. As far as that water bet goes, especially my heart wants, wants me to take it. I already took one earlier. I don't know if I could take the water bet on this one. I did preface everything that I was going to say that I'm a big Cardinals truther and a homer on this one. So I'm betting with my heart on this one, but wouldn't it feel better? I don't want two waters in the face. I'm saying you don't have belief in either of your bets. I don't have belief in coach right now. I just don't. The Cardinals have won, yes, but it's they've been very sloppy wins. The Rams look really freaking good, and Matt Stafford looks really freaking good. I placed that futures bet before I saw Matt Stafford and how good he looked, just hoping on the Cardinals because they had really good odds. But Matt Stafford looks really good. So in actuality, my money is on the Rams, but my heart, and I just don't bet against my heart so i took the cardinals your poor wallet yeah that's gonna be tough i'll I'll sum it up quick on this game just keeping short here and say i think i think the rams will cover because they don't think the cardinals defense is going to be able to stop them they have a great offensive line i think it'll neutralize the rams do i think that'll help neutralize the pass rush that the cardinals have and expose where they're weaker which is in the secondary from there so i think the rams are going to cover i am taking the over because I do think there will be some garbage time fourth quarter points just to keep this close enough. My biggest takeaway is I think the Cardinals fantasy players, once again, which receiver, who knows? I expect a great game out of Kyler, simply because I think this will be the one game this year where he actually gets 50 plus rushing yards. He hasn't rushed from, he's rushed for more than 30 once this year. And I think this will be the game that the Rams do such a good job on the back end that he's not going to be able to keep up this pace of top three passing yardage leaders and have to become a little bit more athletic inside this game and use that to his advantage to help move the chains. On the Rams side there, we're going to have to wait and see what's going to happen with Sony and Daryl Henderson. They're keeping it under wraps as far as I've seen up until this point. They said they're going to be careful with him. 
Personally, I wouldn't hate if they kept him out one more week just because I'm looking for that real solid second flex against Mike this year. And, you know, our primary limitless fantasy league, you know, between Tyler encouraging me for Brandon Ayuk, I'd love to have another option to kind of flex in a high scoring affair like this. And that's about all I got on this end. Unless you want to give us that water bet, Jake, how, how nice would it feel for your heart to pour some water on both of us? It's just okay, a little bit. Let's of, do it. It's just a little water. Yeah. And I'll be out for the 49ers Cardinals game. So we'll definitely get to have some water action there next weekend. Let's go. Oh man. Jake. Not happy about that one. I got bullied. (laughs) (laughs) Why you bully me? Jake, I know sports betting is new in Arizona, but you're going to learn real quickly to not bet with your heart, dude. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let me learn that lesson. (laughs) Should have been a Chargers fan the last 10 years. But uh, probably we got to probably move on to the next one. Yeah, let's do that. So we got the Packers taking on the Steelers next. The Packers are favored by six and a half, and the over-under is 46 on this one. I'm going to Tyler first. So, Tyler, what do you think is going to happen when the Steelers travel to Green Bay? So I'm going to hold off on giving you my picks here for a second because everything comes down to one thing for me in this game. You've got two opposite teams this year. And what I mean by that is Steelers came out in week one and shocked Buffalo and then proceeded to drop the next two games to the Raiders and the Bengals. Packers came out and laid essentially an egg against the Saints, looked horrible. It was one of those games that just had everyone scratching their head. And then you've got them going and beating the Lions and beating the 49ers. They're two very interesting teams, and they're two tough teams to figure out exactly what's going on with them. I personally think that the Packers are more for real. They're more what you've seen the last two games. The Steelers, I'm still a little under unsure. But I think the big key in this entire game that's going to decide for me where my money goes is Deontay Johnson. He had a limited practice. Juju didn't practice at all. And I think we saw what the offense looks like without Deontay Johnson catching consistent eight to 10 yard passes. Last week, Najee Harris had 14 receptions. It was absolutely ridiculous. And yeah, a couple of those catches went for bigger yards. They moved the chains. A lot of them were catches that got tackled for one yard, two yard, things that you don't see Deontay do. Those are Deontay's catches. That's where Najee Harris's catches all came from. And I think that if Deontay's on the field, it's an entirely different game because the Steelers are able to move the ball. They're able to get into scoring position. They're able to take shots on the other side to chase Claypool. And the Steelers offense really, really revolves so much around the role that Deontay provides for them. So if there's no Deontay, I'm going to take the Packers minus six and a half. I'm going to take the under because I just don't think the Steelers are going to score. But if Deontay plays, all of a sudden, I actually think that while I might still take the Packers at six and a half, I'll probably take the over in that situation. That's the big thing that I'm watching is that over under. But if Deontay doesn't play, I think the Packers defense is one of those streams where if you missed those really, really sexy defense pickups this weekend, if you don't have somebody that you're really confident in, I think the Packers defense is something you could pick up real quick at the last second and slide in. The Steelers have given up the seventh most the seventh most sacks in the first three weeks. I think that they can eat. Chase Claypool is somebody that I'm really watching this game. He had to step into essentially Deontay's role to start the game last week. And then when Juju went down, he kind of had to 
really embrace that role. We know Juju's most likely not going to play. Deontay still being on the edge. 15 targets last week for Claypool, even though he really reminds me of Mike Williams in that he just, he jumps into the air and then attacks the ground after he catches the ball. I don't quite understand it. I don't know what the ground has done to him, but he seems to really, really like to just fall hard. And, you know, it's one of those things I was playing against Chase Claypool last week and Chase Claypool's down on the field and I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh shit, I might have a comeback. And then they're like, oh no, Chase Claypool's back. He just fell really hard again. So we'll see what happens, but that's one of those games that I'm probably not touching until I get those final practice reports. And if Deontay's a game time decision, I might just completely lay off of this game, but I'm going to pass it now that I've talked about Deontay so much to his biggest fan, Matt. Yeah, I'm all about Deontay playing. If he does, that really does open up the Steelers offense quite a bit because as we've seen, Steelers offensive line is a sieve. Just oh, They're just opening up lanes for somebody to come in. And we just saw the San Francisco 49ers have one of the better offensive lines in the league. And Jimmy Garoppolo got hit 10 times last week, which is the most he's ever been hit before. And I believe the stat was that any quarterback playing under Kyle Shanahan has been hit in the last several years. So the Packers do have a good pass rush. Now, the secondary has been a little bit questionable there, but what has Big Ben shown to us that he can actually push the ball downfield and actually attack where the Packers are most exploitable? So I totally agree about the Packers defense being a great stream. I actually picked them up in a couple fantasy leagues to use them as a stream because they also have a few good matchups coming up over the next few weeks just to keep yourself stable, get a few sacks and kind of go from there. Where this game gets interesting is the total points. I would take the under, yet I do believe I would take the Packers to cover the six and a half simply because I don't believe that the Steelers are going to be able to keep up playing in Lambeau. It's tough as it is. And the Packers are kind of on a roll. It seems like they're starting to gel a little bit more after that first week of really just being annihilated. I think the Rodgers-Adams connection is going to be enough to move the chains pretty consistently. We've seen a heavy increase in Aaron Jones usage this year. In the offseason, a lot of people were saying that, you know, A.J. Dillon was going to come in and he was going to be taking the same snaps that Jamal Williams was in the offense and maybe potentially limit Aaron Jones. But we've seen Aaron Jones on pace for more catches than he's ever had in a single year. Whereas I think that's where he'll end up getting a lot of his work to help the Packers consistently move the chains rather than run into that fearsome defensive front that the Steelers have. So, yeah, I'll take the Packers to cover and the under on the game itself. Yeah, I have, I mean, right now with that line at six and a half, that's pretty high for me. It does, like Tyler says, it based all on Deontay Johnson, if he plays or not. As of right now, I will take the Packers with that line, just on the assumption of Deontay Johnson not playing. Right now, you haven't really seen much from Big Ben as far as moving the ball down the field. He's been really relying on Najee to do all of that. With him being 39 now, there's that kind of viral clip of him going around where he trips over the line pretty bad. So I don't know if I trust in Big Ben anymore. So I'll take the Packers in this one. I think Aaron Rodgers is rolling. I think he's going to be able to move the ball with his arm down the field. Look for, I even think maybe MVS could be like a big boom bust if you need a need a play 
but there are better options out there. But I do think Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to just move the ball down the field pretty easily. But I do like the under in this game as well, too. 46. I just don't see Steelers scoring that many touchdowns if Deontay's out. Cool, cool, cool. Aaron Rodgers, good. He's back. Big Ben, he's out. Hot garbage. Moving on. So (laughs) we have the Broncos taking on the Ravens, and the Broncos are favored by one at home. The over-under is 45, and on this one, I'm sending it straight back to Jake. What do you think is going to happen when the Ravens travel to Denver to take on the Broncos? So again, let me preface by I am a huge Ravens fan as well. But I am not betting with my heart on this one. I do think the Ravens win in this game. The Broncos, to me, I don't believe that they are a real 3-0 team. Their last three opponents have a combined record of 0-9. So I just don't think that they're a true 3-0 team. The Ravens have really proved themselves in the last two games. Lamar Jackson, very unconventional, but very, very, very good at what he does. And he has found ways to win games at the end. He fought back against the Chiefs, won that game. Got a little sloppy. Hollywood Brown really upset me last week with those drop passes. I do think if you are in a bind or need a wide receiver three or a flex position, Marquise Brown is going to be a good play. I think he comes back. I think that could be an anomaly. As far as being a Ravens fan, I'm hoping that's an anomaly. But I think the Ravens win this game. And I just don't believe the Broncos as being a true undefeated team. I'm right there with you. I see this Broncos team as of this moment today. Yeah, they're 3-0, and but I feel like they're a very, very poor man's version of the Alex Smith 49ers under John Harbaugh from several years back. They're playing very efficient football. They have a very, very solid defense behind them that is allowing them to do what they want. And then if things don't work out, they're still able to get back to the formula that seems to work well for them, which is split touches between Javante and Melvin, open up a little bit of play action, maybe a 15 or so yard shot down the field. You know, Cortland Sutton's had a few, he had an explosion two weeks ago. However, this game here, I see this game plan interesting. I'm going to take the Ravens to cover. If I had, I'd probably lean the over on this ever so slightly because I do think Lamar is going to be able to pull off a few explosive plays. The last couple of weeks, he's shown an ability to throw an accurate ball downfield. Now, whether his receivers are able to catch it, that remains to be seen. However, and I know how difficult it is to play in Denver on the road in some of the first four games of the season. That being said, I just think the Ravens are such an unconventional offense. And considering the fact that the Broncos are coming off of playing some of the three, like three of the worst teams in the league, I think the Ravens are just going to cover this pretty easy. And they'll also be able to push it over just a little bit. I don't know, Tyler, what do you what do you think about this game? So this is one of those games that I can give you my opinions, but I don't think I'll be betting this week. When I first saw this game, I instantly thought, Ravens is the underdog. How is this what I'm seeing? And I understand the Broncos are undefeated. I 
I think that the Ravens are going to win this game, but I also feel like the one thing that Denver can always fall back on is the run game. They have two good running backs. They are clearly just letting Melvin run the ball and basically trying to kind of put those final tread marks to use and probably move on from him next year. And they love Javante Williams. He's looked good. Baltimore has allowed the most rushing touchdowns in the NFL this year through three games. And I think that Denver's going to be able to run the ball. On the other side, Denver's shown that they have a pretty solid defense. While I would agree that they're probably not this 3-0 juggernaut that we've seen, they've done some really good things through the first three games. And I think that if they can figure out this Lamar Jackson read option, you know, down the field on the play action offense, I think the Broncos have a pretty good chance to, to win this game straight up. So either way, I'm not feeling particularly confident, but I do really like the under. I think both teams, their identity and their offenses run through the ground game. Obviously, if Marquise catches one or two of those big 40, 50 yard bombs, that could change that. But for me, the only thing that I'm really slapping here probably is the under. Yeah, so that makes it unanimous on the side of taking the Ravens for the four of us, but you know, not necessarily a ton of confidence from everybody. So let's go ahead and move on. We have Sunday night football. We have Tom Brady's return to New England. We have the Buccaneers taking on the Patriots. The Patriots are getting spotted seven at home. The over-under is 49. Matt, I'm throwing this one over to you, the true Tom Brady lover. Matt, go for it. This game is going to be bad for the Patriots. There's going to be Patriots fans cheering for Brady, and I think it's going to end up just being an absolute slaughter. If the Saints can do what they did to the Patriots last week, I don't know. I just I see the pass rush for the Buccaneers actually being able to get things together a little bit. They've under their defense as a whole has underperformed so far through this year. I believe they're giving up the most passing touchdowns out of anybody in the league. But who does Mac Jones throw touchdowns to? And so the problem is Mac Jones is going to be put in a very, very bad spot this entire game because their offense has functioned at its highest level when it's tried to run through Damian Harris and really just get consistent chunks and then throw dink and dunks or a short play action from there. And this is not the type of game that you can afford to play conservative when you've got Tom Brady stepping in wanting to prove a point, set the all-time passing record. He's already coming out in an interview several days in advance saying, I know exactly how they're going to prepare. I know what they're going to try to do to me. I know everything. Tom Brady is going to light them on fire this week. So whatever the spread is, double it plus a half, and I'll take that. I'll still probably take the under, though. Hello from the other side. That commercial had me dying. And and I I I truly that can't just had me dying. <laughs> that I was truly, terrible. I truly can't. I don't think I can say it any better than Matt. You know, ultimately, Tom Brady is just he's one of those figures in sports that he's gonna walk in, he's gonna have Patriots fans wearing their Brady jerseys. I think the Patriots fans want to win this game, obviously. But all the people buying tickets to this game, they're coming to see Tom Brady break the all-time passing yards record in Gillette 
and it's going to be a spectacle. I, I expect that they're going to stop the game right when he breaks the record and probably show a video and do the whole thing, whole song and dance. And I think Tom showed finally last year that the arguments that everyone always had, is it, is it Belichick or is it Brady? It's a little bit of both, but it's Brady. Brady is so special to go to a new team and go win a Super Bowl. I think that he is going to take every possible opportunity to make sure nobody ever forgets that and run this score up. I would agree with Matt. If you have a chance to get one of those crazy teasers with the Buccaneers minus like 17 points, and it's going to give you great odds, I would go out and try to find one of those. I really, really like it. As far as fantasy goes, I think all the main options are on. But the person that excites me the most enough that I actually in our main limitless league that I picked up and I'm throwing right into my starting flex is Jacoby Myers. He has had a 25% target share through three games. And now you have no James White, who was the third most targeted player on the team. I think Jacoby's going to take a lot of those. And when you look at the Buccaneers, flat out, they've allowed the most points to opposing wide receivers to the first three games. The Buccaneers are going to take an early lead. The Patriots are going to be playing catch up. And I think throwing the ball over to Jacoby and hoping for the best is uh, is Mac Jones' only way to really try to make this game watchable for, for most Patriots fans. Yeah, so I actually took an alternate spread already of 13 and a half. I just think it's going to be a two touchdown, at least bare minimum type game. Tom Brady is very, very petty and remembers everything. Bruce Arians, same exact type of human being. I think they are going to run the score up. They are going to try to embarrass Bill Belichick and really show that it was Tom Brady and it's not the system. So yeah, I, I have them winning very, very handily 49. I do. I'm probably going to take the over on this one just because I, I think that Tyler's pointing at the under right now. It's hilarious. I just think that the Buccaneers are going to move the ball constantly. I think Mac Jones, I think they, he can move the ball a little bit, the injury to James White did hurt, but like you said, Tyler, I think Jacoby Myers does take a big jump up and puts a lot of that responsibility onto him. I think they get a few touchdowns, but I, I just I trust in the Buccaneers and Bruce Arians offense and Tom Brady going straight for Bill Belichick's throat that they borderline carry the over by themselves. The, the last thing I have to say on this is just that if there is another teaser that you want to throw in for like an extra couple bonus points, I could totally see a defensive touchdown on the Buccaneers side in this game too. If you're going to put a rookie quarterback in a big pressure game like this with a ferocious pass rush and defensive line on the other side, I just think it's pretty easy. I could absolutely see one of the DBs just sitting on the routes, waiting to jump it and take it from there, which would really just add to the point total. This, this is going to be a slaughter. Yeah, especially because I see Mac Jones probably having to throw the ball 40, 50 times in this one. Anyone yep. wanting a Tyler Cordell encore? No? Okay, let's move on. We got the Chargers taking on the Raiders in Monday night football, and the Chargers are favored by three and a half points, and the over-under is 52. Matt, this one is all you, the Chargers fanboy himself, and the Raiders hater. What's going to happen when the Raiders go on to SoFi? Wait, let me make sure I'm doing this right here real quick. 
Um, so let me preface here real quick that I'm a huge Chargers fan, but I'm not going to bet based on my heart. Okay. Did I do that? Okay. Okay, sweet. So yeah. So in this game specifically, I I'm going to take, I'm going to take the over because the Raiders have shown consistently, even last year under John Gruden, that they've been able to find a way to scheme some of their best players open and move the ball consistently. Now, I'm not the biggest believer in Brian Edwards or Henry Ruggs per se, but they do add an additional threat that can scheme things open. I think the Raiders have a much better chance of covering this if Josh Jacobs does play. If Jacobs plays, that is where the Chargers are going to be the most weak. They consistently play a high two shell type of defense designed to limit and keep the passing shorter and in front of the defense so that they can kind of just jump down and just, it's a very similar defense to what the Rams have played ever since Brandon Staley came over there from last year and took the Rams to the number one defense. Now, all that being said, I think the Chargers at home in prime time, I think Justin Herbert shows the world who he is and keeps this momentum up. You just went into Arrowhead last week and were able to knock off uh, the two-time Super Bowl appearance Chiefs in a great game where they, they jumped out in front, they took a punch and punched right back. As great as the Raiders have played over the first few weeks here and knocked off a couple teams, They've also been down by 14 two different times, and that's just a difficult spot to be in. So on the road in prime time, I see Mike Williams continuing his hot streak. Uh, I don't see anybody on the Raiders that can possibly guard Keenan Allen. And Austin Eckler, especially now that he's moved on past his hamstring injury, he's going to do just enough to not screw me over in our fantasy league where you're playing against me, Mike, but he's going to do really well. And I think that's going to be enough for them to cover minus three and a half, as well as also to push on the over. Austin Eckler and Mike Williams going up against Matt. Let's go. Sorry, right, I forgot. Tyler. All Keenan Allen, all Keenan Allen, and Justin Herbert rushing touchdowns. Tyler, take okay. it away, dude. So I'd like to start with a formal apology to Mike Williams. I am sorry that I doubted you. I, I saw you hit the ground so many times so very hard and i told matt when mike williams got drafted that he was the best receiver i had seen coming out of college in some time since that aj green julio jones group of receivers and for me i found myself always grabbing him near the end of the draft every year every time i could unless matt snagged him from me and just watching him through the first couple of years, it always felt like this is going to be the next step. This is going to be the next step. This is going to be the next step. And I think Matt laid it out perfectly last week. Mike Williams' involvement in this offense has changed. He's not just that deep ball guy anymore. He's getting more involved in that Michael Thomas role that we saw in the record-setting season. And I think it fits him really, really well. I think Mike Williams is going to be able to continue to roll. I think, obviously, you're going to be able to you know, always rely on Keenan Allen. But for me, where I'm looking a little deeper in this game is at Brian Edwards and Hunter Renfro. I think that they can both be flex plays this week. The Chargers, if you watched last week at all against the Chiefs, are not allowing the deep ball. I think Henry Ruggs is going to run down the field like he usually does. And if Derek Carr watched any tape, he's not going to want any part of those Chargers safeties. And I think he's going to end up having to check the ball down a little bit. Now I am going to take the Raiders to cover. I know that uh, I regret obviously not taking the Chargers last week, 
But I think in a divisional game, I think the Raiders are just going to, they're going to be able to stay within enough points to keep it close. I actually think as sad as it is, despite how good Justin Herbert has been, I think that you're going to see just as many Raiders fans as the stands as Chargers fans. And it's not going to really feel like that big home game. Those Vegas fans travel pretty well and they're excited to have the Raiders. And then I'm also going to take the under actually. So pretty much the opposite of Matt there. I just see, I see that exact same thing that Matt talked about with the Raiders, knowing that their offense is going to primarily move the ball on the ground. I think they're going to try to run the ball. I think the chargers are going to be able to run the ball. There might be some deep shots, but to me, 52 just feels a little bit much. I think if it was sitting at like 46, I would go over, but somewhere, somewhere in that 46 to 50 category is kind of where I see it falling this week. So we are all going to have different bets on this. So I'm in agreement on Tyler where I'm going to take the Raiders on the points, but I'm in agreement on Matt where I'm going to take the over as well. So I just think that there's a lot of explosive offensive plays that's going to happen in this game. Mike Williams is a real threat for the Chargers and nobody like Matt said can guard Keenan Allen. He's one of the best route runners in the league. Austin Eckler is looking like the true running back that he is, and he is going to have a great game. That Raiders offense, though, it looks like they're firing on all cylinders, and they are meshing pretty well. Henry Ruggs is finding his way in that offense, and I'd like the over. I like the Raiders. I think Darren Waller, Derwin James is going to be guarding him the whole time. It's going to be a tough matchup. Sucks because I have him in fantasy. I'm not too excited about that one. I do think if you need a flex play, I like Henry Ruggs or even Hunter Renfro. It seems like Derek Carr is firing on all cylinders and really gelling in that Gruden offense. Other than that, it kind of really does boil down to if Josh Jacobs plays. If he plays, I, I really like this spread at that point. Well, I think that's going to wrap up things on the games. So let's go ahead and jump into the Limitless Parlay of the Week. You've waited all episode long. Well, now it's time for the Limitless Parlay of the Week. All right, guys, parlay. We got a six-leg parlay for you this week. You got to take Titans minus seven, Bills minus 16, Cowboys minus four, Detroit money line. Buccaneers minus seven, Rams cards over 55, and you can get that all anywhere between plus 5,700 to 5,900, depending on what book you're using. So that's the Limitless Parlay. That's the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening to the Two Minute Drill Limitless Edition this week, going into week four. Again, if you missed the regular version of the Two Minute Drill podcast, feel free to go back an episode and listen to that where I recap week three and then preview week four with all that being said thank you so much for making it this far into the episode via pal share this with your pals if you could spare a few seconds of your life and leave a review on this podcast i would greatly appreciate it other than that we'll see you on the next week's episode of the two minute drill podcast again thank you so much for listening from the bottom of my heart see you next week peace